श्री गौरी वैष्णव गुरु परंपरा की जय श्री श्री गोराध माधव की भक्तवृंद की जाए मॉर्निंग अगेन Hello, I recognize you. You've been here before, right? What's your name? James. James, right? Maybe from Boone. Clayton. Clayton. Okay, from that side. Right. You were going to become something last time you were here. <laughs> okay. Well, anyway, you're right back. <laughs> This works out over here. <laughs> nice to have you. And Keisha, for charge, where's your wife? Somewhere, somewhere nearby, huh? Okay. Good. It's the first time you've been here, huh? Yeah. Yeah. I came to our house once in Baltimore, long, long time ago. Long time ago. Okay. Maharaj, good to have you here. Did you did you and Inder and Lolita come together or separately? Separately and together. Separately and there you go. One and different, right? Okay. So we are having some. discussions about Radha Tattva. Jai Sri Radhe. Last night we spoke a little bit about Kartik, the Mahash, the month of Radha. Some lot of interesting points that came up due to your sincere inquisitiveness and interest in the subject. And um, it's an important subject, obviously. Um, we we uh, know that the the password, if you will, to the program that is the Srimad Bhagavatam is the uh, secret phrase Krishna's two Bhagavan Swayam. Jiva Goswami is referred to it as the Paribas Sutra, the, th- the thread, the sutra that the the line of one line of a verse that unlocks the 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 the, the essence of the of the uh, philosophy of the text the tattva it's the uh, phrase if you will that serves as the hub around which the bhagavat's verses orbit and are to be understood in relation to jiva goswami is in this and in other ways uh taught us how to penetrate understand the srimad bhagavatam um in ways that upon hearing them make us think of course there how could it be otherwise like his suggestion that we examine the trance of vyas that uh, uh 
preceded his writing, uh, compiling, composing Srimad Bhagavatam. It's kind of like, duh. Uh, of course, but no commentator ever thought of that and looked at the book in that light. And there, of course, in that trance of Vyas, which is spoken about by Sutta Goswami in the, what, seventh chapter at the beginning there of the, of the first canto, the whole Achinti Beta Beta metaphysic is uh, is brought out. And so this is another way, but Krishna's two Bhagavan Swayam, he's, this is the Paribas Sutra. People, he has a whole a whole um, Sundarbha based on this sutra, the Krishna Sundarbha, which then he poeticized in his final work, Gopal Champu. Hmm? Masterful uh, contribution. And um, Extremely in, in, insightful uh, as to the nature of the Bhagavatam. Of course, if you study the Sundarbhas, you know uh, the position of the Bhagavatam as well, what it's about and what it is, how it's, uh, how it's to be understood and how it serves as the, as the book that all the scriptures, sacred books of the Hindus, orbit around and so forth. Hmm. So, it's a small line, Krishna's two Bhagavan Swayam, but good things sometimes come in small packages. Hmm. Goswami, he said, the sutras of Vyasa are very short also, but they're packed with meaning. Hmm? So this is a sutra. Krishna's two Bhagavan Swayam. Do you know the meaning? Behind you, young lady. Krishna's two Bhagavan Swayam. Very important. So It means that, that Krishna, to, to use Prabhupada's language, Krishna, the Supreme Personality of Godhead. You've probably heard that before. Prabhupada repeats it again and again and again, and uh, again, repetition of a good thing can be a good thing. So it's like a mantra that he repeats throughout his his books. Krishna, comma, the supreme personality of God had said this. Krishna, the so he's invoking this um, this sutra, this line again and again and again, and. Uh, for effect, hmm? um, this, this, that we might develop some bhakti, some scar from hearing this and and uh, start to see the text in this light, and uh, and and this is one of the key uh, points uh, that need to be in place if we are to experience the idea of unconditional love. Hmm? Of course, Bhagavatam is about unconditional love personified ultimately as uh, fully as, 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 as Sri Radha. But um, if we're to love unconditionally, to give without any conditions, that's the one side of the equation that needs to be in place. We have to give without any expectation of return. Hmm? That requires we must rise above the bodily conception of life and the, and the demands that our minds and senses oppress us with and pull on us uh, for, that don't enable us to be uh, givers because they cause us to feel empty and in need of taking and acquiring with the thought that by acquisition we'll become more. Hmm? Actually, by acquisition we become more in debt only. Hmm? We owe more. 
with interest. This is the karmic uh, problem. Hmm? So it's very mysterious then the way that life proceeds uh, really progressively. Hmm? It's just backwards from the way that it would appear. It's said in the in the um, circle of commerce and business that you need to step on people's heads to get ahead and we teach that you need to have your head stepped on to get ahead that's why we're always putting our heads on the ground in the hope that the dust of the feet of the Vaishnavas will will touch it so it's a very uh, very radical and different uh, approach hmm, to fulfillment as we say go within or go without that's the uh, adage um, so, if we are to give without attaching any getting to that, then we have to rise above the present condition that we're in, which places so many demands upon us and causes us, as a result, to feel in need and uh, to think that by acquisition I'll become more full to take by taking I'll become more complete but again by taking we end up owing only hmm. so the sense of being as I often say that's derived from the sense of having is very vacuous hmm. the sense of being derived from having we don't really have anything nothing belongs to us we cannot keep anything so the I, the I, the identity, the I that arises out of a sense of my, which is false. The my is false, so the I is false. So, problem. Hmm? So the sense of being, existence, hmm, is asat. Hmm? Because the, the, the premise is false. Nothing belongs to me. Hmm? So from having to knowing, of course, this seems to be a progress and knowing means not to try to have but just to be hmm? not that by having you'll be more but that you are more and the trying to have or to take if you will to acquire is um, taking away from knowing who you are hmm? but from having and the vacuous sense of identity that derives from that to knowing which is to end the taking, then if I know what I am is being different from matter, then I won't think that by acquiring anything material I'll become more. Hmm? So with knowing, having, or taking, you could put it, stops. These two, gyan cancels out karma, and conversely karma cancels out gyan. The life of having is not a life of knowing. And from it we do not derive the sense of being that we're actually um, about. Hmm? So, karma is, is to move in ignorance. To know, then, by converse, is, is to stop taking, hmm? to not having. So, to sit, the life of the contemplative, hmm? and to know that I am so there is bliss in knowing. 
there is the joy in knowing that I exist in a way that's entirely different than this false sense of self derived from trying to have and to take, which is never satisfied. Hmm? This is the problem, of course, of material existence. People question whether there's an environmental um, crisis at times. Some people. Um, but there is. We should talk about it in a broad way, as it's relative to our subject. Energy crisis. There's two kinds of energy crisis. One is the common the understood energy crisis that some people are in in, in denial of hmm? but from a metaphysical uh, and a philosophical point of view it's undeniable that uh, well I should say I, I think for practical experience it's 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 confirmed that oh, well Put it like this: There are this uh, thought that there are the haves and the have-nots. This is a popular theme now. There's 99% that don't have, and 1% less than 1% that have, and it's a huge problem. Hmm? But having, as I'm talking about, is in the need to have in the first place is the problem. Hmm? It's not that the 1% are happy or satisfied. Hmm? And 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 they've got what ninety nine percent of it all, right? Uh, as it's thought, they've got ninety nine percent, and we've got one percent. Hmm? But they would like to have a hundred percent, for that matter. But still, they're not satisfied. So the thirst. This is the Buddha's teaching, and he's wise. Trishna, thirst. It means Trishna with a T. Different. Then Krishna, Trishna, thir the thirst hmm, for having hmm, is the cause of suffering. And it has no bounds. It has no limit. Therefore, you can understand there's an environmental crisis. Metaphysically, you understand. Hmm? Uh, the jiva, the self, identified with the body, hmm, the mind complex, hmm, and the world without, uh, losing sight of itself it will pursue the whole world, could swallow the whole world hmm, for dinner and not be satisfied because it's of it's constituted uh, differently, categorically different. That inner unit of subjectivity hmm, is entirely different in the, the outer objective world. It only has meaning and value in relation to that unit of subjective self, meaning and purpose. Hmm? So the thirst for acquisition, it has no no, uh, no, 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 no limit, but there's a limit of, of resources so to speak. Or you could say, well, there's no limit. We can explore space. We can go to other planets, there's galaxies, and so on and so forth. But but the problem is that the problem will remain. There may be enough resources to continually feed your desire, but however much you get, you'll still never be satisfied. Hmm? So there's an angst. 
then that goes that that, that pervades the material existence. So this is uh, this is an environmental crisis. The need to have the sense that I need to have that I will be by having that I will be fulfilled by having this is a this is a problem. And so there's a, uh, you know you can play it out then economically and so forth. But um, yeah, it's true that there's an in, imbalance of the distribution of wealth. We could use a little socialistic input, but into the system. You know, you have the two sides here, you have socialism and capitalism, so they're both problematic. Capitalism, you can you can be an individual, but then you you have to, the cost is that you have to be at odds with others. There's no group, you're on your own, and you're, you're fighting with everybody else. And in socialism, of course, you get the group, but then you lose yourself. The more it becomes socialistic, then the more everybody has to conform and do the same when you have to put in your house only certain colors and in certain areas. And, and so <laughs> Americans wouldn't stand for it, right? So uh, so these are two sides of the spectrum. This is where the, the, the Gaudi's Vaishnavs, Beta Bade, comes in. It solves the, the, the problem. It seeks to, have to afford a group, hmm? a welfare system, hmm? That is Golok, it is a welfare system. It's providing the Surup Shakti is providing and making up for the in, for the for the uh, uh, the the really the defective nature in a sense of ourself. Hmm? We're small and prone to our present condition of illusion without the strength and the support, the benevolent uh, well wishing outreach of the Surup Shakti we cannot reside hmm, in the realm of of of, of uh, uh, transcendence and Krishna Lila. We don't have enough ananda within us, hmm, enough gyan within us. Hmm. Sachit ananda anu atomic. We don't have enough to dispel the cloud of Maya. What to speak of overwhelm Krishna hmm? and Brajlila's course means that the absolute Brahman is overwhelmed by bhakti and a plaything in the hands then of the devotees, so we have to get the ingress of this sarup shakti bhakti into our lives in order to be able to participate there. But it's very generous, the Sarup Shakti. It's a welfare state. So there's a group. There's a group. But in the group, you don't lose the individuality at the same time. So you have both. You have full individuality. Every, every gopa is different, just like every person here is different. Hmm? If the Atma lends itself to the influence of the Maya Shakti, it's going to develop a unique material body-mind complex and sense of self that is uh, it's, it's different from everyone else. If it lends itself to the influence of the Sarup Shakti, hmm? the grace of the Sarup Shakti, and makes effort to get that grace, then it will get a body-mind complex constituted of Sarup Shakti 
which is chit. So, so are we. So, it's not like the mixture with matter that really doesn't fit. It's a bad fit. It's a good fit. Hmm? It's like you, you, you come to the clothing store and the guy says, "I got just for the thing for you." Step over here. Put this hat on here. Put this here. That, that put that sweater on. Now look. And what do you think? Is that you or is that you? <laughs> so the guru has some idea like what you could be. Hmm. He helps. She helps. Hmm. What do you think? That's you. That's isn't that something? So something. Then you then you walk out of the store and you're a different person altogether. So this is the. Through the parampara, the sarup shakti comes, and ultimately it awards us a, a, a role in the, in the lila. You get a suitable body, mind, hmm, and, a, and a part to play, and you can be all that you can be. And each gopa, for example, hmm, feels that Krishna loves me the most, and every one of them is right. Hmm. There's a whole group of gopas, a whole group of gopis. Hmm? In Rasalila, each gopi thinks Krishna's with me, hmm? even while they know they're in a group. Hmm? Taking lunch with Krishna along the banks of the Jamuna, every gopa thinks, and Krishna's sitting right next to me, here. Let me take something. He hasn't tasted this. Yes, it's really good. Puts it in the, in, in Krishna's mouth. Hmm? So there's a unity there hmm? and individuality at the same time. Hmm? So we need the generous influence of this uh, Surup Shakti. And this ingress into our life um, is a comprehensive approach to overcoming this uh, wantonness uh, that we are presently possessed of, this um, sense that by having, by acquisition, we, we, this foolishness that we'll become more. Hmm? And in the context of uh, coming under the influence of the Sarup Shakti or pursuing Bhakti, what we're really doing is not having, not knowing per se, but loving. So to ha- having, to have, to be, to have, to know, to love. If you love, then you will know and you will actually have. If you have, you won't know and you won't actually have. If you know, you won't have, but you won't necessarily love. Hmm? You understand? But if you love, then you have to have someone to love. You just need someone to love. It's an old one. <laughs> yeah, it's wrong, but yeah. You so if you if you love, you have, and you know. Hmm? You could know and not love. Hmm? You could have and be in ignorance, obviously. Hmm? So being and knowing, they actually follow loving. So loving is a comprehensive approach to overcoming the problem of being. Of, of excuse me of having of thinking that I, that I, that I will have I will I will I will be by having without falling short and end up just knowing do you understand getting waylaid in knowing that'll be a big problem if I love to exist 
knowing that I'm not matter and I'm eternal, that's a huge problem. If you love to exist, you've got a, in a spiritual context, this is a big problem. You'd be better off having, trying to have. This is the Gaudiya perspective. Better to be lost in material existence in pursuit of love without any wisdom than to give up the pursuit of love in the form of acquisition, which is false, and to know that I am, and and to love that I am, and end up in in uh, identified with 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 Brahman, kind of a no man's land. Someone asked, "Can you fall from Brahman?" I said, "Who will fall from where?" <laughs> no sense of where. If you've identified with Brahman, you've identified with everywhere. Hmm? And who? It's a very perplexing, complex idea. Who is identifying with everywhere when <laughs> there's nobody? The, the self has been, uh, sense of self has been extinguished. The sense of self has been extinguished, the individuality, to be everywhere. But who's everywhere? <laughs> You're everywhere, but who are you? What, what are you? Are you? So who will fall from where? From the Jivan Mukta state, then it can fall. That's that's the statement of the Bhagavatam. If in that stage you have no regard for bhakti. Hmm? If you went to Brahman, you had to have some regard for bhakti to get there. So verse doesn't apply to that person. Hmm? And in that condition, videha mukti. As I say, who will fall from where? Hmm? Some say even the self is extinguished. Some say it's not extinguished, but its, its sense of individuality is obscured by its identification with with Brahman. Hmm? In either case, there's no bhakti rasa there. And loving to exist is very different from existing to love. And that latter idea, that is a bhakti idea, it's much more beautiful. And it provides us a much more profound and rewarding sense of existence. If you exist only to love, then what do you need? Love is fulfilling. I've said if you love someone, you can live in a cave if you're with her or him. Hmm. Yeah, you don't have to be so concerned. But when the love wears off, then you've got to get a bigger house <laughs> to make up for the loss of love. But in the beginning, you don't care, right? You're just off. We'll just live in a van. <laughs> That's all. <laughs> and do send kirtan. <laughs> and we'll read the Krishna book together. <laughs> it's a good idea. <laughs> uh, so... Hmm. The bhakti approach is a, is a really most comprehensive solution to the problem of trying to be and have a sense of being and identity through taking and having, which is the karmic situation. Hmm. And it, it's, it has knowledge within it. Bhakti is what? Rajavidya. 
that is the king of knowledge. It so- doesn't sound like it. That's it. Bow down to me. Think of me. Become my devotee. That's the end of knowledge. That's what he says. Yeah. <laughs> I have to consider who he is. Right? What knowing him means. Knowing him means simultaneously you will know yourself in terms of your full potential. There's no question... People question sometimes, how will I know myself? How will I know my swarup? Hmm? Just by chanting. Hmm? Will you know Krishna by chanting? I think I heard that somewhere. That by chanting Krishna's name, that you, you will... is non different than Krishna. You will know him. You see, you cannot know Krishna without knowing yourself. They are concomitant. So knowing Krishna through Sankirtan involves simultaneously knowing yourself. In other words, having a relationship with Krishna. There's no, there's no meaning to taste for Krishna in the context of bhakti that doesn't have the corresponding object of Krishna, hmm, but is specific hmm, and cor- ha- corresponding identity in the self. Of course, as we chant and we purify the heart, then other practices that, w- that it, will, it will beget, if you will, uh, the ability to to absorb the mind hmm, and. Uh, and uh, and in in the context of the name, the 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 the, 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 the form of Bhagawan, his gunas, his leelas, relative to the sentiment that I've been blessed to pursue by bhakti sangskar through sadhusanga, it will all arise naturally, and smaranam, capacity to do smaranam effectively will will arise, and so on and so forth. So point anyway is that that uh, the sense of being, the sense of self, that uh, can be derived from, from bhakti, hmm, is um, pursuing that is the most comprehensive solution to solving the problem of trying to be by having. We're trying to be something and someone that is a, it's a very small, small idea compared to our prospect. The idea of the self in the world of trying to have and to take the karmic realm is so tiny, it's so small. I mean, you look at your problems. Hmm? Gauravani some time ago sent me a a, a, a link to a, a, an ad or a poster or a statement or something, and it was the, the, the problem of first world women or something. Hmm? Is it, is it first world problems? Something about first yeah. world problems. Yeah. So it, was a, it could have been a man, but it was a woman in there. <laughs> what her problems were. Hmm? I mean, <laughs> compared to third world problems and so forth, it, it becomes very small. But they're all big to all of us, it seems. It's, but they're very small to other people. Your problems are huge, and you tell us somebody else, and they go, Oh, God, is that it? <laughs> That's your problem? <laughs> I wish I had your problems. Hmm? It's nothing. Hmm. So small. 
It's a very small-minded idea. We, 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 we develop likes and dislikes, happies and sads, goods and bads, through the medium of the mind. We, 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 we um, pronounce on the world, on the environment. We impose our mental impression on the environment and make judgments. This is good. This is bad. This is hot. This is cold. This is happy. This is sad. And we live in a small world of goods and bads, happies and sads. And we're at odds to one extent or another with someone else. We make an agreement. You think it's cold? I think it's cold, too. Let's get together. <laughs> and we'll be warm. <laughs> I think it's getting hot in here. No, I'm still cold. <laughs> so we can make some arrangement to some extent to to unify, <laughs> get together. But But... We have to rise beyond this world of the mind to the big picture, right? There, these senses are not giving us an accurate uh, picture of, of the nature of, of being. It's not hot or cold. It's not good or bad. It's not happy or sad. These are all mental projections. Hmm? So such a small world, we're so protective of it and to defend it and so forth. The idea of Krishna Bhakti, to be a player in the drama of Krishna Leela is so huge that a partial person there hmm, makes all the conglomerate of, of so-called full and psychologically well-balanced people in the world look um, dysfunctional. Hmm? There are partial people there. Radharani has expansions of herself her beauty expands as Rupa Manjari. Hmm? Her different temperaments, and e- emotional nuances of her prema m- m- madhuri, her sweet, sweet love, the, the Mahabhava that she embodies, manifest as a partial person here, a partial gopi here, a partial gopi there. If you if you study the Chandravali. You'll think she's a little dysfunctional. How can she take that? Why is she like? She's a partial person. She needs to be like get out of there or something. <laughs> uh, but the, these partial people, if it would be, if they're they're more full than all of the people put together. Our sense of self as what it means to be a person hmm, is very limited uh, uh, idea. Hmm? So, great prospect, and the pursuit of that prospect, it solves the, the taking problem very comprehensively, because if I know the problem, my problem with life is that I'm a taker, and I'm trying to be by having, so I should stop taking, well, that's not so easy to do, to stop taking, just by the knowledge of the problem. If I know that things don't endure, and I want enduring life, therefore I should stop taking things that don't endure or trying to, to get enduring life, but how do I stop? Hmm? Just by the wisdom of that and go and sit and stare at a blank wall for for hours. Some people have this as a sadhana. Hmm? Bhakti is much more uh, powerful and user-friendly and very, very much uh, well-adjusted uh, and kind of customized to our human psychology. Hmm? Hmm. It allows us to engage in all of the things that we engage in with a taking from a kind of 
perspective with a giving perspective to take and give to Krishna. And the God, the object to whom we give, is just like us. When we hear the Leelas, then we bond with the object of love emotionally, and we are emotional beings. Hmm? We say, yes, I know, but... I know, but... <laughs> can be a problem, but... It, the point is that we are, we are emotional beings. Our life exists in the mental, emotional world. That's where we, we, we are. Hmm? Why this emphasis then on the physical world and the attempt in science, for example, in modern philosophy to reduce everything to the physical when our world is in the subjective realm? Hmm? You understand? It's in the mental world which derives its emotional power hmm, from the self. That's another thing to think about. If, as in all schools of Vedanta, it is taught that the self consciousness reflects on subtle matter and thus the world proceeds and physical matter comes out of it. This is the Vedanta perspective on the world. That subtle matter is where all the, the, the emotional life is found. Hmm? So if the, if the subtle matter has an emotional life by the touch of consciousness, should not consciousness have an emotional life and potential itself? Hmm? It does, of course. That, and that, and Bhakti answers to that. It tells us about that world hmm? and that possibility. Hmm? So, anyway, this is a... Uh, it's... If, uh, the Godhead is such that you can bond with him emotionally. Hmm? It's very interesting. Uh, concept of God. So therefore, when you hear the leelas of Krishna, isn't it then? When you hear when he does things that just like us in all of our foolishness and so forth, uh, then we, that's the high point of the, of the talk. Oh, he's just like us. Oh, he did that. Hmm? We, we bond with him. It's a very powerful, um, uh, just hearing the leelas, you see the power of them. You bond with divinity in a way that you cannot in other traditions. Maybe in Christianity you bond with an emotional sense of guilt. <laughs> Watch Mel Gibson's movie and then everybody comes, God, I'd, God, I'd better serve him. <laughs> oh my God. He did that for me? Goodness, I feel guilty. I bond with him. But all the whole range of human emotions we can bond with Krishna by hearing the leelas. Hmm? Human-like, human-like and unlike, it means, human-like means unlike humans and like at the same time. Hmm? So it's very powerful um, and and it comes to us, of course, the whole of this bhakti opportunity through a another idea, I guess you could say, of environmental energy crisis. There's an energy crisis. That's how it first came out in the 70s. I, I remember it was, it was in the papers. There's, a seven, there's an energy crisis. Hmm? I was reading about it, and I had this book called... Welcome. What was it called? 
Reservoir of Pleasure, right? A little booklet that Prabhupada had written. So I went out and I was distributing and I would say, Hey, you heard about the energy crisis? And they said, Yes, I heard about Here is the solution. Here. <laughs> Everybody was buying a book. It's Reservoir of Pleasure. Reservoir. Solve all the energy crisis. Prabhupada heard about it. He liked it very much. And Tripurari, he is saying, This was all the energy crisis and so forth. So he. <laughs> so, there's an energy crisis, environmental crisis, so to speak. You know, it's, it, it, it's, a, it's, it's, we should, at a certain point, you will live in the world as a sadhaka, as you approach higher stages of your progress and, 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 and start to, to, uh, enter into a, a life of spiritual emotion. The whole world will become an udipana for us. Your deity will be universalized. Hmm? Uh, so this is an example where the energy crisis. You, you, you may think about it politically, economically, and so forth, and reflect on it. Read the paper that said to Sridhar Marsh, but about Sridhar Marsh, that if Sridhar Marsh is reading the paper. Now it's the internet, but reading the paper, it's like reading the Vedas. Hmm? That's how his godbrothers thought of him. He's reading the Vedas. Hmm? He told Bon Marsh much. If you once, if you want to preach, you should read the newspaper. Hmm? But you got to be able to read it and not get, and 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 from a certain vantage point, stay there, and then the whole thing. Mahaprabhu in Jagannath Puri during the Rathiyatra, hmm? what did he do? He began to sing a secular love song hmm? in the middle of the... This is a famous religious ceremony, right? Festival. People from all over India coming for that. And here's this young, young, 24, 25. By that time he was probably 26. Hmm? After going to South India and returning, and, and the devotees coming, hundreds of them from Bengal to unite, unite with him in Puri. Hmm? His conquest being extraordinary, he conquered the city of Puri, which could not be conquered by the Muslims. The Gajapati Raj Pratapruder was so powerful hmm, that the Muslims couldn't enter there. They couldn't. They couldn't. They couldn't capture the kingdom. And a twenty-four-year-old boy came there and, and, and took over the whole kingdom. As a fact, the king became his disciple. Jagannath wept upon seeing him. Jagannath's eyes without lids that are always open were looking and living just for that to see Chaitanya Mahaprabhu who saw him hmm? Jagannath with a peacock feather playing the flute hmm? with the eyes of Radha hmm? he could see Jagannath as Krishna in ecstasy of separation from himself as Radha. This is an extraordinary theological uh, notion. And and this way he conquered the kingdom of Jagannath Puri. Hmm? The king became his student. Hmm? Everyone converted. Hmm? Of course, he went south then and converted there in the south and returned to Puri and all the Bengali devotees came. How proud they were of Nimai Pandit has become Sri Krishna Chaitanya. Hmm? 
What was the point? How did we get to Puri? Hmm? And there in the Jagannath Rathyatra, he's singing a love song from secular Ras Shastra. Who could understand what, what's going on? This sannyasi is singing a, like a cinema song. It means, hmm? Well, imagine if you were in the Rathyatra and all of a sudden you started singing, I don't know, some popular song today. The devotees, if I did that, it would be on the internet for sure. Yeah, Swami, he's, he's listening to you know, the popular music, just see. <laughs> this is what Chaitanya Mahaprabhu did. Hmm? So, of course, Rupa Goswami was not so foolish as to criticize him for that, but he wrote a verse explaining what Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was feeling, how he was reading the the, the world, hmm? and the world became an udipana for his for rasa. Hmm? Beautiful verse. When Mahaprabhu Chaitanya Devi saw that verse, he gave him a slap. How could you write? That's his private thing. Why do you think I'm singing a secular love song? Hmm? Love, as much as it wants to share itself, also needs to hide itself. Not everybody can appreciate. You cannot show your bhava to anybody and everybody. Especially in the beginning stages, it will diminish. Hmm? It's said in the Bible, it's also there. Don't throw pearls before the swine. Hmm? So Mahaprabhu was covering flame of his love, but Rupa Goswami uncovered the flame. Hmm? Mahaprabhu gave him a slap. How did you know this? You must have, oh, you are under the care of Sarup Damodar here. He knows my heart. Hmm? Uh, so who, who, so what is that verse? Shri Chaitanya Manovistam Stapitam Yena Bhutale Svayam Rupakatamayam Dadati Svapadantikam Narutam Thakur. We should follow on this. Paying his respect to Rupa Goswami. This is Chaitanya Charitamrita. Chaitanya Charitamrita is Kabiraj Goswami's effort, successful effort, to display, portray Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in the light of Rupa Goswami's understanding of him. Hmm? You should understand how these kind of books are written, Bhagavatam written in the same way. You can find stories in the Bhagavatam that are found in the Mahabharata. The central story of the Bhagavatam is found in the Mahabharata. The, what is the central theme of the Bhagavatam? Who can say? No, no, the central theme. Theme. The story of the Bhagavatam. The story of the Bhagavatam is Sukadev Goswami is speaking the Bhagavatam to Praj Brikshit, who's been cursed to die on the bank of the Ganga. You can find the same story in the Mahabharata, but it doesn't go the same way. Hmm? In the Bhagavatam, these stories from other Puranas are collected and told to bring out Bhakti Rasa, to showcase Bhakti Rasa in such a way that you become attracted to that. You'll develop a sangskar for that. And you, 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 you'll develop a longing to live in Vrindavan. If you hear from the right sources, it's, then you won't get waylaid in the fifth canto, arguing over whether the earth is flat or round, and misunderstand the whole section, what it's about, why it's even there, what it's surrounded by on either end. Hmm? What? 
it's it's it it just as an aside of course it's 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 not for devotees now some devotee a great devotee like my guru Maharaj could say we'll take this part and we'll try to use it hmm? for preaching you know, we can be creative and in all types of ways try to spread Christian consciousness to find the ways and means, what it probably used to say, what did he say in Bhagavatam? Find the ways and means. Uh, so, rack your brains for that. Something. This is the Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasthi idea of kirtan. Find, figure it out. Where are these beads? And then people ask you, what are the beads? And you go, oh, where do I begin? Hmm. This guy doesn't know anything. He's eating a hamburger and he asks you, what are those beads? I like those. You go, okay, where do I start here? I'm going to tell him about Radhabhav. Where where will I begin? What's this about? Anything? Beads. Radhabhav. Then you've got to bring yourself down and say, well, you see, what's that you're eating, by the way? Could you put that down? So... It's consuming, the point is. Who is the example amongst great devotees who became perfect by kirtan? Very good. Sukadeva Goswami, right? He put on a backpack, right? He went out with his shorts and he made sure he did harina. Literally. This is how you got to do it. No, that's not what he did. He was naked. <laughs> You think that might repel the public? That might scare them away. He was dressed in ashes, hmm? and he spoke the Bhagavatam, hmm? and everybody listened. Hmm? You have to go in, within, to go without. You have to, as Prabhupada's example, you have to boil the milk. Hmm? Nowadays, I see it like this. I mentioned it last night. Sorry for repeating myself, but. People have this like literal idea. Send kirtan is the way you have to do kirtan. We do kirtan. We just did kirtan here. We do kirtan every day. I have to go on the street corner and do it with somebody else who doesn't doesn't know how to play the drum or the kartal and sings out of key and and got different colored socks on and and uh, and uh, and one of the people in the crowd is flagging everybody down. Dance, dance! You know. <laughs> Somebody mocks them and they think, just see, they're dead. It's a success. And this is not. <laughs> Prabhupada stopped us from doing kirtan, stand kirtan, the public kirtan in, ba- in Bombay because the people were, were not respecting in Bombay. Hmm? People, he stopped this. Don't do this in the public. Devotees don't have a lot of common sense sometimes. Sukadeva Goswami became perfect by kirtan. This was his kirtan. Hmm? Explaining the Bhagavatam. It's a very powerful uh, means to arrest the mind. Kirtan. To try to, to try to explain to the public. This was Bhaktisiddhanta Sarasitakura's approach. Try to find ways and means to share the teaching with others. Know what it is. Try to share it thoughtfully. Hmm? It's very has power to consume the mind. Hmm? This is the idea, the central idea of sadhana. And as you grow in that of course, as I say, then then 
your deity is local, you act a certain way when you go in the temple, you see the deity, you act a certain way around him, and you act otherwise somewhere else. In time, then, that will change. We were doing kirtan here in, in, out in Raleigh, I think it was, or Cary at one gentleman's house who invited me, and after the kirtan, he said, Swamiji, I always had a question, and I'm thinking that spiritual life should be a private thing, not a public thing. Hmm? It is for the private life. And so I said, well, actually, spiritual life is such that your private life and your public life, have no. there's no difference between them. This is where you have to go. Hmm? When your private life becomes so rich that, that it just flows out into everything that you do and how you see the world and so on and so forth, it can be effective, really, in sharing this with others. Hmm? The Mahaprabhu, he took a, a, a cinema song. Hmm? And Rupa Goswami explains what he was thinking, how deeply he was absorbed in the Vrindavan uh, Leela. So, Bhakti has this power. This is what it means to turn the world into Vaikuntha, that you, that you will see the whole world will become an Adipana, a stimulus for, for rasa. Hmm? The rasa must be universalized. The deity is universal. He's everywhere. Hmm? It's said that there's one Krishna when in union, but in separation, there are millions of Krishnas. Everything reminding one of Krishna. Welcome. Every every Mahaprabhu saw the dark tamal tree, thought it was Krishna. He saw the 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 the, 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 the ocean, thought it was the Jamuna jumped in, and so forth. Hmm? So, to enter there, to be part of that world, it's such a big idea. Hmm? And the world of our mind is such a small and narrow thing. It's such an uncomfortable place, the world of our mind. We're trying to constantly expand it. Hmm? We want the whole world to live inside of it. And it's not comfortable even for us. We expect others to be comfortable inside of the world of our mind, seeing it our way. But it's not even comfortable for us. How an un- what an unreasonable proposal. How to live your life. Hmm? So we're invited to come out from that small world and have a spiritual life. Not just come out of the world, but have a spiritual life. That means to do things. Not just knowledge that will cancel action. Hmm? and sit peacefully. We want peace and love, both things. Hmm? So this, and this opportunity of uh, this, uh, the madness, the method, if you will, to the madness of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, it comes to us through Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. It's the overflow. It is a result of an energy uh, crisis. So it, it, it's another kind of, we talked about energy crisis, environmental crisis. But there's another type of energy crisis. Here, the energy crisis, we don't seem to have enough energy because we don't have any end to our longing. Because our sense of fulfillment will never be arrived at by acquisition. Without knowing the self, we simply have to acquire. Even if the world could supply unlimitedly, and we could enter into other galaxies and wormholes and so forth, the, 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 the longing will never end. The world can continue to feed your longing, that's true, but the longing will never end. 
So you have an energy crisis. Hmm? It will never end. But on the other side, of course, this is just a reflection, <laughs> there's an energy crisis. That is, in, in, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is the outgrowth of an energy crisis. Hmm? That... Um, Radha is the energy of Krishna. In relation to her, he's having a crisis. Hmm? What is the, what is the, the power, hmm? of uh, uh, my my Shakti? Hmm? Here, there's there's not enough energy, and there, there's too much energy. Hmm? It is said, in Srimad Bhagavatam, in the second canto that Krishna does not know the limits of his Yogamaya, of his Swarup Shakti. He does not know the limits of it. What must be then, Swarup Shakti? Krishna is omniscient. He does not know the limits. Later in Bhagavatam, it's said that the Shruti are asking, maybe the 82nd chapter of the 10th canto, speaking with praising Krishna. Hmm? And they say that you don't you are such that you don't know the limits of your own power, your own shakti. And Krishna says, You mean I'm not I'm not omniscient? They say, No, you're omniscient. They're very clever, of course, very smart, very wise, the Shruti. How's that then? If I don't know the limits of my own power, how am I omniscient? Because your power has no limits. You do not know the limits of your own power, but your power has no limits. So how can you know something that doesn't exist, that, that doesn't take away from your all-knowing, that doesn't exist to begin with? Hmm? It's, this is beautiful. This is a contradiction that's resolved somehow. Right? Prem is, is full and ever-increasing at the same time. Krishna does not know the limits of his own energy, his own shakti, because it has no limits. Hmm? <laughs> Good one for the, something to put between the ears. Like, you just stop thinking. You think too much. Hmm? You just think too much. Chant about that now. Hmm? You see, there's a general idea in Vedanta. Stop trying to become and just be. That is the know and stop trying to have. By knowing, you'll stop trying to have because you'll know that you be, and nothing can be taken away from you. Hmm? So trying to become is the problem. We try to be pleasured, to be secure, hmm? um, uh, to know, to 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 to, to, to pleasure ourselves, to um, to 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 exist. And, and overcome the threat of non-existence that the world seems to uh, put us in the, in the face of. But of course the teaching is you already are a unit of pleasure. You are a unit of, of, of knowing. You are a unit of being. You're sat. You're not subject to transformation. So stop trying to be these things. Hmm? You are. So there's this emphasis. Stop, tr- stop the becoming and be. But when we come to bhakti, then... 
on top of the being, there's another kind of becoming. There's a potential. The jiva, it, it, it cannot, the tatasta shakti cannot be understood without understanding its potential. It has a potential in relation to the sarup shakti, in relation to that environment, spiritual environment. It has the potential to be all that it could possibly be, to become. And that becoming has no end. Therefore, the prame is described as being full, but always increasing at the same time. And it, it's, it's, it's a crisis for Krishna, the omniscient. He does not know the limits of his own energy. There's too much energy. <laughs> hmm? Here the energy crisis, there's not enough energy to fulfill your, your longing. Because although there's unlimited energy, you could say, even materially speaking, there's unlimited longing. Hmm? The trishna, the thirst, that's the cause of pain hmm, and suffering in the world. Hmm? And, on, and in Golok, then, it's the, the opposite. There's too much energy. <laughs> hmm? Krishna can't digest it. Hmm? He cannot... He... he, 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 he uh, the 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 experience of rasa that is radha hmm, transcends his own experience of the same and he's rasaraj so crisis so the energy crisis in the spiritual world hmm, understanding it is a solution to the <laughs> you will the energy crisis in the material world hmm? Hmm. the method to the madness of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, which is Krishna's pursuit of the experience of Radha. He's smart enough to realize, after contemplating the issue, that what is it about her that makes me mad after her is that she is experiencing something in me that makes her like that. So I'm complete. It's something in me that makes her like that, which is makes her attractive to me. Hmm? So I'm okay. I'm God. The yogis are right. The scriptures are correct. But what they what they what only told in Vrindavan and it's off the scriptural map is that I don't know that thing in me that makes her the way she is, that makes me attractive to her that that that, that no one really knows about, and most and a lot of religious people deny it. They try to take Radha off the altar in Jaipur. What's this? Madness. Hmm? That you've got a goddess next to him like this, Rod. Some some Apsara, some... This is Bhagwan. Hmm? That was the problem in the, in the early days of the Sampradaya, the Baladev Vidyabhusan, that Govinda gave a solution to through the pen of Baladev. Govinda Bhasha. Hmm? Which begins by saying... It's already been explained in the Bhagavatam. Please go there. But if you don't have any rasa, any feeling, hmm? after it's, well, it's for the, it's for those people. Nigamakalpaturogalitam falam sukumukadhamratadrabasam bitum pibata bhagotam rasam malayam muhuraho rasikabubi babuka. It's for it's for babukahas, drunk people, hmm? yeah. mad people. When Sarvabhoma Bhattacharya, the greatest logician in all of India, 
It's mentioned in Encyclopedia Britannica. Tried to understand Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, he, he short-circuited. But when by the grace of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, he was able to understand him and spit out his logic like it, like it was a dry chapati <laughs> with no salt. <laughs> hmm? And then became a bit of a mad, bit of a madman himself, composing verses, poetic verses about Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. When Gorsundar then went, was decided to go south and leave Jagannath Puri. What did Sarvabhoma say to him? There's somebody you got to meet. I could never figure that guy out. He was weird. But now I know you and Eve got something in common. Stop in. In where is it? Godavari. Hmm? Meet Ramananda Roy. He's like you. You two are good. Will do well together. He's a madman, like you. I'm just a beginner in all of this. Hmm? I've just recently given up the logic. Now I'm just starting to taste the meal, the juice, the rasa of bhakti. Hmm? Madness. Hmm. So this, <laughs> anyway, this idea, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu uh, came to give. This is arising out of an energy crisis in the spiritual world. Too much energy. Hmm? I, ca- I cannot. I cannot experience it in this form. It's a crisis. I need another leela in order to try to. E- understand, experience the limits, which there are none of, but <laughs> of, 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 of rasa. Hmm? I'm God. People know that. It's true. Uh, but they don't know my pathetic condition that I love Radha and without her blessing, without her being pleased with me, my life is, is useless. Hmm? This is a secret thing. It's the secret of Vrindavan. It's off the scriptural map. That's why the Bhagavatam, which is off the scriptural map, map, right? What does the Bhagavatam say? No, yeah, it says that. Sutta Goswami is explaining about Sukadev. What is the verse? Atmaramas chunayo nirgaranta api urukrama nirgranta right granta means not the world not to use Schopenhauer's term Schopenhauer was a, of course a, as you know a German philosopher that had some became a Vedantist of sorts and so he, he coined this term the world not <laughs> people in western philosophy still don't understand what Schopenhauer was talking about they have a real difficulty penetrating the eastern Mind. They thought he was talking about the mind-body problem, which is different. But he was talking. He was talking about the ankar, the world not hmm? ties us to the world, the granta. Hmm? It was asked in Bhagavatam, why did Sugadev take the trouble to study the Bhagavatam when he's an atmarama near granta apirukrame? But the word is used near granta. Bhagavatam is is a, is granta also means scripture. Hmm? This is near granta. It's like beyond the book. 
I used to sell the book to people. And I'll sell you one if you want one. But <laughs> and and sometimes I would get the reply in offering them. Said they would say the spiritual life is not in a book, sir. It's beyond the book. I said that's that's right. You're right about that. That's what this book is about. It's all about that. It's all about that point. Elaborating on that point. <laughs> that's that's just from page to page, from you know verse to verse, eighteen thousand verses about that. Hmm? You can't you can't learn it from a book. So get that point down. <laughs> you need some further support to make make that point. Here's your book. Niragranta is beyond the books. Hmm? And it unties the knot. How does it untie the knot? Niragranta apirukame. What is it? Atmaramas munayo niragranta apirukame. Itam buta gunohari, itam buta gunohari, because he's like this. Hmm? To love him is to know him, because itam guno gunohari, he has these qualities. Bhagwan, who show Krishna, who showcased in the Bhagavatam, hmm? he had these qualities. They're just attractive. Hmm? And they untie the knot of material existence, which is attraction to the temporal. Hmm? I have a knot tied to that. Maitunya bhavam etor. What is it? Mitunya bhavam etor. Maitunya means like ball and chain. It's the pumsa mitunya bhavam etor. Sriya pumsam mitunya bhavam etor. The attraction between the male sensibilities and the female sensibility. This is not binds us to the... And then everything moving around that. Mm. I've told the story before when I was young, 25, and took sannyas from Prabhupada in Vrindavan. Shortly after that, he came to America. I met him in America, and we were in New York, and he was sitting in the 11th floor of his building in Manhattan. I was with Prabhupada alone. He said, Have you seen the New York women? And I thought, What is he trying to ask me here? You know? I'm not supposed to be looking at the New York women on the Sanyasi. And he said, they're so beautiful. So I'm just like listening at this point, you know. I didn't know what he wanted to say. And he's just going on about them. They're so beautiful. And and then he just kept talking. He said, and then and the buildings are going up because they attract the men. And then the men are working and the building is going up. And, 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 and the whole thing, he said, this way, described New York and all of its coming out of this attraction between man and woman. He said, and he said, with a big smile on his face and his eyes lit up, he said, this is Vishnu Maya. <laughs> wow. Hmm? Vishnu Maya. Hmm? For a moment he reflected on some Aishvarya Gyan hmm? and the whole basis of, of material existence. And then he shifted, of course, into, into the sweet Leela. Hmm. Of Radha and Krishna. Hmm. This is our idea. I was saying, fifth canto, the world. This is this is this is not for devotees. This is a description of the world for yogis who have mixture of bhakti in their path and don't have the adhikar to sit before the beautiful deity of Radha and Madhava and meditate. They need some way to absorb their mind. Pritchett asked on behalf of them in the audience 
Could you say something? He himself, if you study the grammar, he's not asking for himself. His arikar, his eligibility is different than that. Hmm? These are the thing. These are the, th- the currents of thought that uh, we wish it be uh, uh, absorbed in. What is the what is the energy crisis of Goloka? It's off the map. That place that, that Krishna is God. Everybody knows. That's a fact. But that that he that he has a problem. That he that he has a worshipful deity. Nobody knows that. That's a secret thing. And that's why in the Bhagavatam, hmm, Krishna selects Uddhava from Mathura to go there and give a message to the inhabitants. Uddhava is Shastravit. He's so learned in the Shastra that he's Krishna's advisor. Krishna was a Chatriya in, in, in Mathura and in Dwarka, hmm, or living the, 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 the role of one as son of Vasudev. Hmm. And so he had a Brahman advisor in the form of Uddhava, Shastravit. He knew all the Shastra. He, was, he would advise Krishna. Krishna sent him to Vrindavan to bring a message to the gopis. And when, in the context of giving his message, seeing their response to it and how they said, I think you mean this, right? Is this what he's saying? He's saying that. Hmm? Uddhava became enlightened about the standard of knowledge in Vrindavan that the love that is, is, is pregnant with there. Hmm? What is the knowledge of Vrindavan? The dust of the feet, Bhaktisiddhanta Sarasthi Thakur said, of Gorkishor Das Babaji Maharaj, who's a resident there, has enough knowledge on it to drown the whole world, he said in response to a sannyasi who had been sent to England and came back and said, they have some questions we cannot answer. Saraswati Thakur said, one particle of dust from the feet of my guru, Gorkhashtodas Babaji Marsh, can has enough knowledge to drown the whole world. You have not understood what is the knowledge of Vrindavan. Hmm? When the village girls from there come here, in the form of the Goswamis, Nana Shastra Vicharanaikana Panosa Dharma Samstapako, Lokanam Vitakarino, Tibubane Manyosharanyakaro. Their command of knowledge is extraordinary. Hmm? The Goswamis, you read their book, what the, 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 how they're drawing from so many texts. How could they even read them, you think? Hmm? But speak of nowhere to go and find the verse. And when I was young and reading Prabhupada's books, I thought, he read all these books? He's referencing this book? I want to read that book. I want to read that book, I thought. He's referencing this book. How am I ever going to do that? He's read them all. Then I realized... Oh, he read the Goswami's books, which is enough in itself. Hmm? And there, they read all the other books. This Purana, that Purana, this, this Shruti, that Shruti. Hmm? Sridhar said, Goswamis have made a garland out of jewels. They did the hard work of drilling the holes in the stones and they left it for us just to thread the string. Hmm? Those are our commentaries. That is the commentary of Prabhupada. That is the commentary of everyone afterwards, the Goswamis. They all are reflecting back on that work. Those commentaries, they formed some pradaya. They have interpreted the whole body of sacred texts in a particular way to bring out what is the glory of Radha and Vrindavan. Hmm? Yes, they've given 
the Paribas Sutra, Krishna's two Bhagavan Swayam. That is the secret to understanding the philosophy of the Bhagavatam. And what is the secret to understanding the bhava of the Bhagavatam? Can we say it in a word or two? What is it? Jai Radhe. This is the... <laughs> This is how, this is the password to understanding the bhava of Bhagavatam. Hmm? Krishna's two Bhagavan Swayam. You have to know if you want to love and you want to love unconditionally, you have to give without expecting to get in, in return. To do that, you have to rise above the body and the mind. Hmm? You cannot give unconditionally if you're conditioned by your body and mind and have, have needs that you're going to look without trying even to others to fulfill. Hmm? You cannot look at someone and only want to give to them and then be in a position to give to them, to love them, unless you have risen above the demand of your body and senses that, that forcing you, even if you try not to, to read others and the environment in a way that will fulfill you because you're unfulfilled in that position. Hmm? Identified with the body-mind complex, we are unfulfilled. We have to rise above that to give unconditionally. And we have to give unconditionally to love unconditionally. And in order to do that, we need another thing. We need an object in which we can repose our love that can take unlimitedly. That is Krishna's two Bhagavan Swayam. It means he can, he who is... Why is he Swayam Bhagavan? Because he is Akila Rasamrita Murti. Hmm? That's why, that's the analysis of the Goswami. Why, how do we reach the conclusion that Krishna is the fountainhead of all forms of divinity? Because in him we find the capacity to reciprocate in love exceeds any other form hmm, of divinity. Whether it be the Buddha, the Jesus, the, we say, within our own tradition we say, it, whether it be Narayan, whether it be Dwarakesh Krishna, Maturesh Krishna, Krishna in Dwaraka, Matura, if the Krishna is standing next to Radha, that one, Yisvayam Bhagavan, hmm? corresponding object of love with the full face of love that is Radha, Mahabhav Sarupini. Hmm? So you have to know where to give the love. It's a very important small point with a few, there's a small Krishna's two, Bhagavan Swayam, a short statement. This point is very, this is why he says, this is the whole thing here. This is the philosophy. Now you understand. I have to. This is where I can give it all. It's said in the four essential verses of Gita too. Aham sarvasya prabhavo matasam pravartate iti matvabhajante mambudabhavasamambita. Know me, the source of everything. Then you're in a position to worship in such a way. Ragabhavasamambita to enter my world, be fulfilled. Hmm? Okay, this is the philosophical. Uh, challenge of Krishna, so to speak. I'm the source of everything. Approach me, I can reciprocate. But the bhava exceeds the philosophy, right? Hmm? And the way in which the gopikas and Radha approached Krishna, he could not reciprocate in kind. This is the energy problem, the energy crisis, as it plays out in Golok, which give birth to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, which is a full meal. Hmm? can fully solve the energy crisis here as it plays out. Hmm? So I wanted to speak a little bit about Radha from Chaitanya Charitamrita. There's a verse from the Tantra that has been um, cited by Aviraj Goswami. Hmm? 
Um, and he's given a nice explanation of it to help us appreciate kind of a little philosophically what is their position. But I don't think... Uh, I'll just cite the verse. Devi Krishnamayi Prokta Radhika Paradevata Sarva Lakshmi Mayi Sarva Kanti Sammohini Paradis from the Tantra. And it said, Nana Tantra Vidhanena Krishna Varnam Tisa Krishnam Sangopangasta Parshadam Yagnaya Sanketana Prayer Yajantihi Sumedasaha This is in Bhagavatam. Who is Chaitanya Mahaprabhu? Oh, who is always uttering the names of Krishna, syllables Krishna, who comes with his associates and distributes that, who's dancing, eh? is his arms waved, is his weapon. Hmm? He is the Radha, the form of Radha. Hmm? that Jagannath is looking for with those wide open eyes not blinking seeing him hmm? his life is fulfilled this uh, those who are intelligent it said they will spiritually intelligent they will worship him by, by the method he himself demonstrates and Nana Tantrabhidana it's prefaced by this in the previous verse that Kali Yuga Abhutar Chaitanya Mahaprabhu his method of worship is found in the tantras. It's the whole feminine side. Previous to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, the whole arguments of Vedanta, Ramanuja, Madhva, Nimbarka, Vishnu Swami, they're all coming from the Upanishads, arguing commentaries on the sutras and so forth. Uh, this is dispensed with in Gaudiya Vaishnavism. Well, not dispensed with, but replaced with, superseded by reference to the Bhagavatam and the methods to pursue the ideal of the Bhagavad in the Tantra, there, the feminine side, where the emphasis on the Shakti. Hmm? So a nice verse from the Tantra describing different names of Radha. And Kaviraj Goswami explains, I think we better save this for the next discussion. I was going to give the whole class on this, but we discuss some other points <laughs> that are useful. <laughs> Nonetheless, Jai Sri Radhe Ki Jai. What's the time? 12.05. Okay, is there any question? Yes. You had just mentioned that prior to Shaitanya Mahaprabhu, uh, Ramanuj and Madhvacharya, they, they didn't bring out so much on the tantric side. Uh, what about Sridhar Swami, whose commentary Sri Shaitanya Mahaprabhu appreciated so much? Sridhar Swami. Mahaprabhu appreciated his contribution. Goswamis have appropriately then referenced him again and again in their commentaries. Yes, Jiva Goswami considered him to be his commentary to be a thoughtful preaching strategy. This is how he in Tattvasandarva depicts the commentary of of Sridharaswami. It's a preaching strategy to the Advaitins hmm? in the form of a commentary on the Bhagavatam um, where he presents a theistic 
bhakti perspective in an Advaitin kind of context. And so Jiva Goswami says, we're going to take from him the what what he not, not we're not going to take the bait. Hmm. Well, I guess we are going to take the bait. How would you say it? Uh, you want to take the, what did he what did he want to convey? Hmm? And the statements that just couch it hmm? in a user friendly form for Dwayton that we can dismiss. Hmm? Do you understand? So he couched it in an Dwayton setting, so there's some Dwayton like statements and context and so forth. But inside that then, you, oh, that sounds another, a nice weight that has given a commentary in the Bhagavatam. Let us read it. There were some questions about it, that commentary, in Banaras from the Advaitins. They thought, wait a minute, it sounds Advaitin, but what did he say over here? And so it was placed before the deity of Shiva, and this mantra came out. Hmm. What is it? Vyasa Vaitina Vaitivana similar to that verse. And Vyas knows the meaning. Parikshit Maharaj may know the meaning, may not know the meaning. Shiva knows the meaning. Hmm? Um, but Sridhar Swami knows the meaning, for sure, by the grace of Nishingadeva, but who was his, was his deity? So, um, but no, there is a, this is a commentary on the Bhagavatam. Hmm? So Ramanuja didn't make a commentary on the Bhagavatam. Madhva made it like a very brief gloss, you know, on, on Bhagavatam, not really a full commentary at all. And they, in order to establish their Vaishnav position over Advaitin, they went always to the Shruti, always to the Upanishads, because Shankar was of the opinion that they were ten principal Upanishads, and that and the, that analyzing these, you could derive the Mahavakyas, the supreme sounds by which you could by which contemplating you could um, perfect your, your life and so forth. And so that was his emphasis in his way of arguing. And the whole sutras, the commentary on the sutras, is all with reference to what these sutras are saying by looking to the Upanishads. Hmm. So if you see Ramanuja's commentary or Madhva's commentary, then they'll be full of references to the Shruti. Uh, now, you know, Baladev came later and did something something similar, but he cites the Bhagavatam regularly also in in his uh, Govinda Bhashi and his commentary on the sutras. Sridhar Swami's commentary is a commentary on the Bhagavatam itself. Hmm? So it's not a commentary on the sutras with uh, a view to show how the sutras present a theistic perspective rather than a, a non-theistic, if you will, perspective or a Dwayton perspective, which could be called non, non-theistic. So I wouldn't, uh, it's not like apples to apples, Sridhar Maharaj Swami's commentary compared to Ramanuja's or, or Madhva's. I wouldn't uh, look at it like that. It's, uh, it's uh, centered on the Bhagavatam. It's a commentary on the Bhagavatam. And he emphasizes in there this... this uh, Swarup Shakti in particular. And this is primarily, I think, how Jiva Goswami takes advantage of that that commentary in the Sandarbhas. Yes? In the, in the Bhagavatam, it states that if um, a devotee, Krishna will fulfill a devotee's desires as long as it's not going to be detrimental to them. 
And so when you were talking about how a Jiva Mukta won't obtain their Sahaja Mukti without bhaktis, without performing some bhaktis. So it seems that, I mean, Jiva Mukta is kind of, I mean, they're on the path, so it seems like it's detrimental for them to have bhakti in their life because bhakti fulfills something that's detrimental to them. So why in that case does, I know she's independent, but why is it that she would allow them to commit spiritual suicide? <laughs> well, you start out by saying Krishna wouldn't let anybody do that, but um, he, he wouldn't let his devotees do that. But they're not his devotees. <laughs> They want to merge in Brahman. He says that, that that's just that's not a devotee's desire. Hmm? So Krishna facilitates material desires. I mean, indirectly, if people want, hmm? he's bhakti's available through his devotees. Krishna is independent. Hmm? He honors the karma principle. If people want material things, he doesn't get doesn't get in the way and say, "No, stop. Hmm? It's bad for you. Don't do that." I mean, he does in the form of the scriptures. It's available. The knowledge is available through the medium of the devotees. His impartiality is not compromised hmm? because his devotees, they do the work of canvassing and so forth, and they try to share the teachings with everybody. But there's unlimited souls in the world. Hmm? There's an infinite number, if you will, <laughs> of jivas. And... Um, and for the most part, the Godhead just defers to, to matter because if he doesn't, then he has no relationship with his Maya Shakti. He can't ignore his Maya Shakti. He's not going to get in bed with her. That's true. Hmm? Forgive me, but, but he's definitely got, he's got a particular relationship with her hmm? where he honors her, her task, if you will, which she herself deprecates herself for in the Bhagavatam. Just see my task. It's just, just so un unfortunate. But um, Krishna's kind of like, you know, he's God. So people, as people approach, I reciprocate accordingly. That's what I do. Now, if you become my devotee, that's another thing. And you've got me in, your, in the fist of your, the palm of your hand, and I do whatever you want, and your heart is my heart, and that's a whole other thing. That's Krishna with his devotees. But with ordinary souls in the material world, like Krishna has, you know, he doesn't even have any experience of their suffering. If he did, that would be a problem. If Krishna experienced the suffering of others, it would mean he'd be conditioned by material um, attachments, which is where the suffering comes from. Because he doesn't have any experience, he could be the savior. If he had the experience, it would mean he'd be conditioned by material life. And how could he be the savior? So, so God has—he's uh, what's the term? There's a philosophical, t theological term for this in Western philosophy. Western impassable. impassable. He's impassable. Hmm? He has no experience of material suffering. That's good. Hmm? But if he has no experience of material suffering, then you could argue it's harder for him to be empathetic because it's easy to be empathetic with someone. If you know what they're experiencing, hmm? you can bond with them. Krishna doesn't doesn't have any experience of material suffering, so he he's just, he knows about it. Like I said, you you know that you think well. I guess that hurt a bug as I drive over here in a car and it hits my windshield. Anyway, turn on the thing. Shh. 
It's not like, at least yet, there's no like, save the bugs movement. Hmm? There's save the bees. Yeah, because if we don't, they think we won't eat, which is true. So it's a little self-centered. <laughs> but, <laughs> but there's no, you know, we know that, and they're not saving them because they're suffering, they're saving them because then we won't be able to eat, as I said. So now they found out that that these have egos. They, they can learn tasks also. Hmm? This panpsychicism, panpsychic perspective that is a Vedanta perspective on the consciousnesses was thought to be, even just ten years ago, to be absolutely absurd madness that, that beings other than humans had consciousness. Now it's becoming popular. Hmm? As they find out, I read the other day that apes can figure out what people are thinking, hmm? you know, on a certain level. Hmm? This is shocking them. It doesn't shock us that bees have egos. It doesn't shock us. We knew that a long time ago. Mm. Mm. That's why Krishna's talking to them and so forth. And Radharani's talking to the bumblebee. <laughs> we knew that a long time ago. So, so God has no experience of the, of the suffering of material life. He knows about it. He knows the mechanism of it. So he teaches about it in the Gita. Hmm? in his Upanishadic kind of headspace there in the Gita. But Krishna in the Braj, he's not he's not doing that. He's in Leela. The full idea of Leela is only applicable to Vrindavan, not even to Dwarka or Mathura. It's play, fully play. And in play, if you play, you forget about the reality. You're playing. The more you play, the more you forget about the reality, the more you can be in the play. So he's completely lost and found. He is the son of Yashoda. That's who he is. No, he's God playing the part of the son of Yashoda. No, he's the son of Yashoda. And sometimes he plays as, he acts as God in another situation. But he can't do it there. Hmm? He can't do it there. Such is the power of the Prem. So, of course, his devotees, then that's another thing. They're full of compassion. Bhakti is full of compassion. Bhakti is the compassionate nature of Krishna. Hmm? Radha is full of compassion. There's a little Radha in every devotee. That every devotee is compassionate. They can't tolerate the suffering of others. They try to resolve the suffering, solve the problem by canvassing and, and giving bhakti. And if they give bhakti to someone, then Krishna has to go there. He can't stay away from there. He has to go there. Hmm? But otherwise, the world goes on. And Krishna defers to Maya. You've taken, and she now wants to take back. So she has her. That's her. I can't interfere with justice. And if there's no justice, then there's no mercy. The devotees are the mercy. They override the justice. People warranted something by their karma. The devotees intervene as the Kripa Shakti of Bhagwan. And so, people have sanskar for material life, people get sanskar for jnana also, by associating with people who don't understand the scripture well enough. That's what, that's what Narada told Vyas. You wrote all the scriptures and you haven't understood them. You're bogus, he said. You wrote all this stuff, all the Upanishads, you wrote all down, all the Puranas, and all you have done is cheated people. That's all you've done. So 
you know, we don't like to get chastised by our guru, but we don't do anything. <laughs> he wrote all the Vedas. His guru chastised him. You've done nothing. You've cheated the people. He didn't say, well, enough of that. I gave my, I did every, I did, I did so much and you have no appreciation. <laughs> he didn't respond like that. <laughs> he said, what shall I do now? He said, go and sit in samadhi and make good of yourself. You know, you have to talk about bhakti for God's sake. <laughs> That's what it's about. Yeah, jnana is there, yoga is there, karma is there. Hmm? But they're nowhere. Without bhakti, they're not efficacious. They cannot produce the result that 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 that, that, that they seek to pursue. Hmm? So, the jnani is somebody who, from our perspective, has has misunderstood the scripture, and that's all they do is read the scripture. They study, hmm? meditate on the aphorisms and so forth. For example, the Advaitins. For example, hmm? we say, hey, you know, if you want to study the scripture, you've got to hear from from a Bhagavata. The Bhagavad is the center, and, and the Bhagavad has two forms. The book Bhagavatam and the person Bhagavatam. Kaviraj Goswami explains in, in Adi Lila. Book Bhagavatam and the person Bhagavatam. And you've got to have both of these to get the desired result. Hmm? So they've taken the book Bhagavatam and other books and so forth, but they don't have the person Bhagavatam. In fact, they disregard the person Bhagavatam. Hmm? They want to enter into Brahma Sayuja. It's people you're talking about. Hmm? So, it's not really appealing to Krishna. Hmm? They've take, it's just like somebody takes the book. Pujapachita Marsolas, if you read the Bhagavatam that's not under the direction of a devotee, hmm? then it's not bhakti. Hmm? I mean, we, how will we, under, like I said, Jiva Goswami gives us his novel ways of understanding the Bhagavatam. When you hear them, you think, yeah, of course. I mean, of course, you, you look at what Vyasa was in a trance, what he understood, and then he came out and wrote a course. But nobody thought of that. Nobody understood the Bhagavatam. Hmm? It's waiting for the players in the Bhagavatam themselves to appear in the world. Those gopis, for example, and gopas, who look like they don't know anything. And Uddhava came there and said, well, I'll try to educate these people. Okay, only to find out that they that they had a kind of knowledge that was off the scriptural map, and he ended up just writing some poems and drifting around in Vrindavan, chanting them, praising the gopas and the gopis. Hmm. And so, so but then when they come to this world, then we see that they have so much knowledge. The dust there, as I was saying, is, is more knowledge. And so they, when they, this is the Kali Yuga. So when Mahaprabhu comes, then Goswamis come, then the Bhagavatam will be understood. Then you get the password. You got the Bhagavatam, but you didn't get the password. Krishna's two Bhagavan Swayam. You don't have the password. You can't understand it. Hmm? Jai Radhe. You don't understand it. So they're giving this. Hmm? If you don't get that, then you get a distorted understanding, and then you foster that off on somebody else, and they get a samskar for that, for entering into Brahman. And if the devotees don't get to him in time, and it's too far gone, <laughs> this is a real disease, this 
samskar for Brahma Suja, then what could be done? They get some sattviki bhakti and they go there. It's a possibility. It's based on desire. You just have to think you're lucky to get uh, opportunity for bhakti. This this samskar for gyan for Brahma Suja, this is this is like very um, undesirable in the, in the bhakti Godia sampradaya. Better you have material desires. That which turns the whole thing upside down because it's thought, get rid of material desires, enter Brahman. Life is over. You did it. You're successful. We're saying, wait a minute, hold on. <laughs> you turned right. You should have turned left to the tantra, to the left side. <laughs> and there you find Radha standing next to Krishna. Then you understand Krishna. She comes out of the left side of Krishna. Then you understand Krishna. Then you understand Bhakti and your prospects. Hmm? And what is Brahman but the but the halo only? So Krishna's not out, you know, preventing everybody from, you know, doing all the things that that, that they do. Hmm? Yet Krishna's not as, as evangelical sometimes as, as we might think the devotee should be. He's self satisfied. Hmm. Hmm. He's boiling the milk. And it all does overflow. That's the that's a fact. Hmm. And you could get touched by it and be lucky. Hmm. That's how it's talked about, right? You're lucky. Bhagya. Hmm. Guru Krishna Prasade Bhai Bhakti Latabij. Brahmanda Brahmite Kon Bhagyaban Jeev. Guru Krishna Prasade Bhai Bhakti Latabij. Bhagya means lucky. Lucky means you came in touch with some current in this world that's not of this world. There's the current of karma in the world, there's the current of bhakti in the world. There are nadi. Hmm? If you come under the influence of the current of bhakti, then you can come out of the stream of karma and and, and avoid, you can you can enter the ocean then. Instead of entering the stream of gyan and just looking like you're going somewhere and trickling out, drying up, and never reaching the Bay of Bengal. Problem. What happens? So you don't want a gyan samskar. You don't want the karma samskars. You want the bhakti samskars. Bhakti sukriti. That comes from sadhusanga. That will, then, then it will tick. Then we will fix our destiny. Will be fixed. Just a matter of time. Then, how you apply yourself. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I would um, like to know what you um, how, how orthodoxy and fundamentalism relate to one another. The relationship between orthodox, the orthodoxy, and fundamentalism—they're very different. Hmm? Fundamentalism, of course, it's a modern term, but it it uh, pertains to a a literal understanding of scripture, largely and the ramifications and implications of that, which, for example, could put you at odds with observation, make you anti-science, which is basically observation, which 
Nobody's against observation, right? Everybody's a scientist. Everybody makes experiments. Kids touch fire and learn from the data that you get burnt. If it's this finger or that finger, all fingers, anybody, don't touch fire. Right? That's basically science. So everybody does science. Everybody observes. And there are things that we can know by observation, even knowing that our senses are imperfect. Our senses are imperfect. Our capacity of reasoning is imperfect in that unto themselves they cannot bring us perfect knowledge. But they can bring us some knowledge. There's something to resolve the problem where the senses and reasoning fail, where they are not a, a suitable vehicle. They don't have the power to take us. That's called scripture, shabda, hmm? the sounds embedded in, 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 in reality. The, these have the power to take us to a place of knowing beyond the power of reasoning and the senses. But when we make this point, we don't say, therefore, anything you see with your senses is wrong. Your senses are imperfect. Your reasoning is imperfect. No. So... Uh, Within the context of Gaudiya Vaishnavism, we see a kind of a fundamentalist, you know, a kind of reaction like that. That observation. Somebody said, "If if I if they take me to the moon, take me to the moon. If they take me to the moon, I still will say we've never gone there. I mean, that's like okay, because sometimes Prabhupada said, I don't think they went there. Maybe they went to Rahu and." Then when he was told such and such Mitchell, Edward Mitchell was his name, I think, or later astronaut, went there and he had a religious experience and probably said, see, then he must have gone. Hmm? So he was, you know, had different opinions about it and so forth, obviously. And now they've uh, got rovers on Mars and, you know, your cell phones in outer space and you know, so on and so forth. So, so um, it's just one example. But um, the fundamentalist orientation puts us at odds. Um, it's a literal interpretation. Now, when we say, well, you say, isn't the scripture, you know, true? Every word in it is Krishna. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but there's no mandate in the scripture that it has to be interpreted in a literal way. How can it be interpreted in a literal way? Let me give you an example. Do you know, do you think, do you think we know everything about milk? Do you think we know a fair amount about milk? from observation and experimentation? Do you think that the modern um, world knows about milk? If you leave it out for too long, it's going to go bad. And, and we, we, we know pretty much, pretty much about milk. I mean, they don't know that raw milk is good for you sometimes, and they think you have to homogenize it and, 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 and to pasteurize it and so forth. But we pretty much know about milk. There's no conspiracy going on about there, that there's things about milk that we don't know that they're keeping from us, right? <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> yeah. So we know about milk. Now, the scripture talks about oceans of milk, right? There's an ocean of milk. So what, are they, what is it saying? So we said, well, see, the scripture says there's an ocean of milk, so there's an ocean of milk. So what we're going to drive over there? First, you're going to say, "Is it pasteurized?" <laughs> no, Swami, it's raw milk. It's good for you. 
Okay, well, how long has it been there? Well, it's been there for a long time. Well, it must have turned to yogurt by now. No, there's a separate yogurt ocean. There you go. You've got to resolve the contradiction. <laughs> the point is what? You, you can't take it literally. There is an ocean of milk. That's true. Hmm? But what's being talked about there, or how is that being used to make a point? Hmm? Because it's not a physical ocean of milk. Otherwise, we know the physical properties of milk, unless somebody's hiding something from us, right? <laughs> and it's a conspiracy, and really, really milk doesn't really turn into yogurt or go bad. Hmm? Or whatever. I mean, you understand the point. So there is an ocean of milk, but it's not talking about it. But the, what the problem is that the fundamentalist is also takes the scripture in a literal way and is grounded largely in the, well in the need to verify the scripture based on what he or she identifies as reality without thinking about it. You may think the reality is Christian Leela. But they live in the reality that this is the real world. The physical world is the real world. They're living in that. That's why they get a kick out of it when they find the idea like, see, they found Dwarka. It's right here, physically. Right there. Hmm? Or Krishna, his name is on a coin thousands of years ago. He really was here. Hmm? And then you put all that together. Yeah, he was really here. Hmm? But... Nobody saw what's described in the Bhagavatam. Hmm? Suddenly you, you, you get all this archaeological and astrological proof that Krishna was here to satisfy you, and you think you can make... Krishna's a real person. Hmm? Well, then see how he's talked about in the Bhagavatam. How are you going to explain all those things? That's not how the people saw him. That's how Vyasa saw him. Premanjana Charita Bhakti With an eye of love he could see like that. Hmm? That is a different thing. Hmm? With Prem, what will you see? If you have the vision of Sukadev, how you will look at the world? If you have the Bhav of Sukadev, how you will look at the world? <laughs> hmm? It's being explained from that perspective. But we need to validate it materially. So you go to Vrindavan and there's a lake and this is such and such kund and it's little yellow. And see, this is where Radhi, 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 Radhi comes and washes the teeth, the turmeric off her hands that 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 you showed as putting on there because it's a way of saying I want you to be married to my son. So she washes her hands there before going home because she's already married to somebody else. And so it's, it's yellow, see? There it is. And wow. That's okay at a certain point. Hmm? But it's for those who, are, who, who really are grounded in the need to verify subjective meditative truths of the real world in the physical world, which is not the real world. How real is it? Everything is here today and gone tomorrow. Everything is constantly changing. You can't hang on to anything. It, it slips through your hands. You thought it was one thing, and it turned out to be another thing. It's not the real world. Hmm? There's no meaning to it unto itself. There's no purpose to it unto itself. There's no feeling in it. There's no experience in it. You are experiencing reality, not matter. But we've identified with matter. Even we're told we're not matter. Yay! And 
and so forth, and we are, we identify in some dogmatic way with some with the teachings, but we're really living in a physical world. So we need to we need to somehow validate the spiritual reality in the physical world. We have fundamentals has that kind of necessity. Hmm. You understand? But there's no statement in the Bhagavatam that that every word is taken to be taken literally. Hmm? So it, there are oceans of milk. There's no doubt about it. Hmm? There is Krishna. There is Leela. A chinti beta beta. You have to have Leela if you have this metaphysic. Hmm? What 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 the literal what the descriptions of the Leela are? Look at take the descriptions of the Leela. Hmm? Now, Prabhupada was emphasize taking it literally. I grant you that. But there's a purpose for that. You have to understand every acharya in time and place and circumstance, what they're doing. Prabhupada's main... How did Prabhupada describe himself in a verse? Nirvisesha shunyavadi paschachadesha tarane. He made an enemy out of mayavad and shunyavad. And he thought, this is my mission. Hmm? It's more than that, but this is the front lines. I have to go to the Western world, in the in in the Western world, let me go and reign on the party, the false party of Mayavad and Sunyavad, which are passing off as being the sum and substance of Eastern philosophy. Hmm? And how will I do it? Gauravani Pacharane. By giving the teaching of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Hmm? Who, on his way to Vrindavan, where did he stop? In Banaras. What did he do? Hmm? He, he sold us to his devotees. He told him, forget this Mayavad stuff. I'll be back soon. On his way back, he stopped, defeated the Mayavadis. You have to pass through this Mayavad to get to Vrindavan. Hmm? You cannot be devoured by the timingil of the whale swallowing as Bhaktisiddhanta called philosophy of Mayavad swallows everything everything all all paths are good they all end up in Mayavad and Advaita of course none of the paths say that or half of them don't say that but this uh, so it's very deceptive their inclusiveness if you will hmm? Hmm. so If you have a chinti beta beta perspective, there has to be Leela. Hmm? Now you take the Leela descriptions. Prabhupada, yes, Prabhupada emphasized in a literal way because Prabhupada was concerned that the Mayavadis, they take all the Leela, modern neo, neo-dwaitans, metaphorically. Shankar doesn't take Krishna as a, as a metaphor. He thinks there's a real Krishna that, that, that really exists. He's the Ishwar. A saguna manifestation of Brahman and so forth, but they get they, the neo dwaitans Of course, it's all just metaphorical myths in the in the, in, the, in the literatures and so forth, and there are lessons to be learned from them. And but there's, they have no ontological standing, the lila. Hmm? So Prabhupada was against this. So he was very concerned that if if a disciple would say, "What does it mean? What do the five horses mean in Arjun's chariot?" And Prabhupada would say, "It takes at least five horses to pull a chariot." <laughs> That's the kind of answer he would give. Never mind that the, that he himself also invoked 
quietly in other places the fact that the five horses represent the five senses and the, the reins are the mind and the, the intelligence is the driver and the, the chariot's the body and the jiva's the witness, the soul, the passenger and, and so forth. Hmm. Right? But he was keen on emphasizing a very esoteric point that Krishna is real. The ultimate real. Leela is real. It's a very esoteric point. It's very hard to grasp. It's very easy to say names and forms are illusory. Illusory. And I should move away from them and I am consciousness and consciousness has no form. And to go from one side to the other side, in other words, from the ignorance of attachment to jnana, from having to being, as I put it. That's the easy equation. Hmm? Now if I go from names and forms to doing away with them because they're illusory and just being peaceful and stop chasing after things that don't exist. And then I say, okay, now, guess what? We're going after names and forms again. Uh, what are you talking about? Hmm? If you move from this world, this world is very small. The physical world is very small. The mental world is a lot more accommodating. You can do a lot more things in the mental world than you can do in the physical world. Hmm? If you accept that there's such a thing as mind stuff. Then there's the intellectual realm in Vedanta. It's even even more spacious. spacious. The Brahmalok. He's got the four heads. And then you go to Brahman. It's unlimitedly spacious. Spacious. And then where do you go? You go to Vaikuntha. It starts getting small again. Now there are planets. There's forms. And then where do you go from there? You go to Goloka. It's getting smaller. You go from the metropolitan Dwarka, Mathura, to the pastor in Vrindavan, it's like really small. Small place, their concerns are really small. Hmm? They might not even know who the king is. They don't know who to vote on. They don't care who the president is. Hmm? That's where they are. They're really out of it. <laughs> it's a really small place, really provincial, and they're really attached to their little place, their little village there. They don't want to move out of there or anything. Hmm? They're happy in their ignorance. Ignorance is bliss. Vrindavan is the perfect example. Hmm? So it looks like it's hard to explain explain that, right? But with the explanation, of course, is from 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 Brahman, unlimited space, freedom. Hmm? Freedom is one thing. That's what people want. We have a hard sell because we're teaching slavery. We're selling slavery, and everybody wants freedom. Hmm? But in the slavery, we mean divine slavery, the labor of love. Hmm? So the place is getting bigger from Brahman, even while its appearance is smaller. And the way to, to put it in words, you have to put it. You can't put Brahman in words. But by Kunta Narayan, you can start to talk about. But the point is, you cannot say enough about it. Hmm? Their Bhagwan has qualities, form. It's bigger in terms of affection. It's a realm that has more affection. If you go from Vaikuntha to Goloka, there's the infection increases, and in Braj, affection is the full, in its full force. There, it's smaller in appearance, but bigger in affection. And as I said earlier, if you love someone. You can live in a tree, 
hollow of a tree. No problem. Hmm? This is the philosophical idea that's being brought out. It looks small, but look again. It's big. It's full of love, affection, knowing and being. Take a secondary place hmm? to loving. And at the same time, the being, the existence, and the knowing that is a loving one is the greatest, best being and the best knowing. And what is that knowing again? That's all? Love me? Love Krishna? That's the end of knowing? Yeah. Hmm. And see the love that comes from that. Hmm. So, the Bhagavatam, every word's important, but you have to understand how it's written. What's the what's the what's what's behind the author? What is he? What's what's Vyas trying to write there? What how he's drawing a, different examples uh, to make certain points and so forth. You have to sift through with good association and draw out the essential teaching. Hmm? Like I said about the fifth canon, what's the place of that dis- that cosmographic you know description? If you, you look carefully, see it's for yogis. It's not for devotees. Hmm? What about the hells, though? That the canto ends with the description of the hells. Sixth canto picks up where the fifth canto leaves off. What does it pick up with? The compassionate heart of Parikshit. He says, I don't want anybody to go to hell. That sounds bad. Sukadeva says, well, what do we do? I suggest this. We do good karma. Parikshit says, I don't think that's going to work. Good karma, then you do bad karma, then good karma, bad karma. It's like an elephant bathing in the river and then rolling in the sand again. Sukadeva says, all right, well, let's do that. Gyan. Hmm? And this is from the having to the to, to, to knowing, right? And Sukadeva says, I don't think that's very good because it's like, a, like bamboo. You could cut it off, but it could come up again. You could come up again. You haven't dealt with the problem hmm? entirely. Hmm? So, Kechid Kebalaya Bhakti, Gamdunantikar's name, Nirayiva Bhaskara. He says that, yes, Bhakti, hmm, like the sun, will dissipate the fog. If you have a fog, like in San Francisco, if a fog comes in the afternoon, you want to get rid of it, you build a fire, you could burn down a whole city. But if the sun comes, well, okay, of its own, and this is Bhakti, comes of its own accord, her own accord, she comes. Hmm? It's not your effort that brings bhakti. Once bhakti comes to you, you can make an effort to take advantage of her. But she is of, of her own independent ways. Hmm? And a comprehensive solution to the problem of material existence. This is what Bhagavatam is about. Hmm? And he employs different devices from a literary point of view to make his points. You have to weave in and see what... You know, you can quote Horanikasipu too. Does that are we supposed to live by that? His words are in the Bhagavatam. What's the context? Hmm? So context is everything. You can't arrive at Siddhanta without context. So when Krishna, what does Krishna say at the end of the Bhagavad Gita? He says, "Those who worship, who study this text, 
every word inside out, backwards, all the possible meanings, they worship me with their intelligence. Does that sound like a literal interpretation? Hmm? If you worship the text with your intelligence, it's just that you, you learn a verse and you memorate it and regurgitate it. Bhagavatam says this. You should do that. Hmm? Or is, it, is, there, is there any license for thinking in the Gita or in the Bhagavatam? Reasoning about what, what it says, what its implication is, what the purpose is, what are you, is your intelligence not allowed to be engaged in Krishna service? That's a fundamentalist. Hmm? The Goswamis are giving an orthodox understanding of Gaudiya Vaishnavism. You don't think they were using their, 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 their head to do that? Yes, you have to use your head to soften your heart. But if you don't use your head, hmm, then your heart will not be soft. Even though you've got some literal understanding, you won't be changing, and you won't be changing the hearts of other people. Hmm? You'll be hard-hearted. Hmm? And you will think, from a moral point of view, all the answers have been given. Just go to the book. Hmm? It doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. Hmm. You take. I mean, did Prabhupada want us to use our intelligence? Yeah. Is there a way to use that? You got, of course, you've got to. If you say, "Well, I don't know if I can do that," there's relative and absolute in the scriptures. How, what's relative? What's absolute? How am I going to sort that out? Hmm? Well, you have your answer right there. If that's your question, then you have your answer. If I say to you, there's relative and absolute, this has to be sorted out, you have to find context, how am I going to figure out what's, what's absolute and what's relative? How am I going to, you know your, you know the answer. It's not going to come from you. <laughs> you're not going to figure out it. You need association to figure it out. And the person that told you you got to figure it out because you aren't qualified to figure it out is not an excuse for not doing it. Now there's a way to do it. And it's not coming from your head because it's, it's you don't have the brain for it right now. You understand? That's not an excuse for not doing it. Well, how will I sort that out? What you're saying, what, what the how to interpret that? What's the meaning? What's really coming out of his words? How do I sort that out? What he means is, I don't think that's right. Hmm? But what he's really saying is, I don't know. And what Prabhupada said. So would say, if you don't know, you cannot say somebody else doesn't know. All you can say is you don't know. And if you say you don't know, then you need to find somebody that knows. How do I know who knows? <laughs> but how do I know somebody who knows? Hmm? Maybe the person who told you you need to know knows. And you've got to, yeah, so this is, now here we go again. You've got to join on another level now. Hmm? Hmm? This is, this texts are meant to tax your intelligence entirely. Not an excuse for not using it and everything is black and white and it's, okay. Hmm? Now, of course, we hear from our guru, it means we don't, we, we don't have that capacity. So we have say in good association to understand and so forth then we we can we can gradually get taste and then we can engage in shastra yukti in reasoning about the implications of the scripture in time and place and circumstance and so forth hmm? but just 
parroting, that's not the idea of Sukadeva the parrot. You know, Sukadeva Sukha means parrot. It was, it was just not parroting it. That's why Vyasa was willing to come and sit there and listen. Vyasa explained the Bhagavatam to Sukadeva. Why is he going to his class? I already taught him that. I don't need to go to his class. He went to the class. He thought, what will he say? He understood. How will it come out? From him. From him. New things will, will be said. Hmm? New light, new insight will come. Nard was there too. The Guru of Vyas, they went to the class of Sukadev. Their student and grand student. Such is the nature of the book. In the hands of a nigama. What is it? Um, what is it? How does the 10th canto begin? Nivritetashe rupagiyamanad bavosala chotamano biramat kutama sloka gunana. This is Sukadev. Nigama. Uh, he had no want. Karunayaha Puranaguyam Sutta Goswami before speaking glorified him. Karunayaha Puranaguyam. The secret, the Guyam of the Purana was known to him whose heart was Karunaya. He had no want. Hmm? Compassion. He had only giving in mind. He had no thing. He's naked. He had no needs. Hmm? This person could speak Bhagavatam. They could see he's understood. Let's hear from him. What, what will it, what will it, how will it come out this time? Hmm? They retracted. And the fundamentals things, I've got it, I've learned it, it's here. Hmm? These days, the modern ones. I don't need any other explanation, any other book, yeah, whatever Prabhupada said. You get this kind. Of, this is literal, and they don't understand what Prabhupada said hmm? in a in a dynamic way. And yes, he emphasized in a certain way at a certain time. Step back a generation. How does Bhaktivinoda speak about it? Very differently. Hmm? He says, and somewhere in the book it said that there are hells. These are not to be taken like this. There's a re system of reward and punishment. That's a fact. Hmm? These are just ways of bringing that out. Hmm? And as the sixth canto goes on, that compassionate heart of Parikshit Maharaj, how to solve the problem, and the answer is bhakti, and within bhakti the way is nam, and jasi ajamil. He chanted the name only a shadow of the name, and the hell people couldn't touch him. The Yamadutas had no jurisdiction over him. Even if chanting a shadow of the name, there's no hell for you. So does, you have no concern with that chapter, <laughs> that section. Hmm? It's for yogis. Now, Prabhupada may have taken it to try to use it to preach with and so forth. Hmm? And it's time. But all preaching strategies have their power and have their shortcoming. That's just a fact. Hmm? And new time and circumstance has to be looked at again. That's the business of an acharya. Hmm? That's the business of acharya. Take that. See, this, that strategy. What did he want to accomplish by that strategy? Let's see if there's another strategy that will more readily accomplish that. Hmm? That's thought like to be like bold and revolutionary, and hmm? by the feeble-minded people, by the fundamentalist types orientation. This is a whole problem with Gaudiya Sampradaya, this kind of fundamentalist orientation, when it becomes in opposition to a more 
spiritually progressive understanding. It doesn't have to be a problem in the beginning, but when it's misunderstood and when it's not progressed, hmm, and the very principle of the guru that is, that is most fundamental to our liberation, now misunderstood becomes bondage, becomes a bondage for us. His words, his being is un- misunderstood, and it has the opposite effect. Hmm? Then it becomes a problem. When 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 the neophyte, not all neophytes are fundamentalists. That's another thing. But fundamentalist is kind of the way I would look at it. Is the neophyte becomes in opposition to the the call to progress beyond that. Hmm? coming through sadhusanga and, and, and so the, and the challenge of that. Hmm? Because we have a challenge at the beginning to, to join a spiritual group, for example. We have the, That's a challenge. We get in there, we did it. Ha, huh, okay, now I got all the answers and everything's great. And then, But now, guess what? Krishna said, I'm over here. We went there. Now he said, I'm over here. And we go, wait a minute. <laughs> I got to do this again. I got to... Like on another level, join and understand that on another level, it's a challenge. Hmm? Just like we were reluctant to join in the first place, finally we did by a push. We may be reluctant to go forward again. The spiritual life is like this. It's full of gray. Hmm? Love is full of uncertainty and certainty at the same time. Hmm? There's unknowing in Vrindavan, and it's good. Hmm? So, this fundamentalist orientation is, is different than the orthodox. Goswamis gave the orthodox understanding. They'll let's say that let's take the narratives of the Leela. They give the Leela narrative. They describe the Leela narrative in one book. In another book, they describe it diff- with different details. What are the details? The details are only attending to the bhava that they're trying to showcase. And if I can change the detail in the story to make the point and bring it out to the audience, then. I have full liberty to change the details. If I understand what the what what the story's about, what the moral of it is, for example, what the import of it is, or what the bhava of it is. If I'm trying to showcase what is Vatsalya Bhava, then I can tell the Dhamadar Leela in so many ways. Hmm? With so many details and different details. Hmm? And all of them are real, whatever. Hmm? That's the one way that you try the fundamentals. Well, it's different this way. He said it that way. They're all, they're all real, and they're all just attendant to the bhava. You see, you see the lila, the oceans of milk, and all the things. They're all real, but but they're not physical realities. Neither is the physical reality the real world. Hmm? So don't try to confine them like this. They're confined in a way because the language is limited to talk about something that's ineffable. So it does confine it to some extent, but in an empowered way. So the descriptions are empowered. They have great power to transport us beyond themselves. They are a semblance of that reality. A hmm? darshan. It's not... What we're not advocating here is something... There's, there's a literal understanding... There's a less than a literal understanding, and there's a more than a literal understanding. Hmm? It includes the literal. Hmm? You understand? We we are advocating a more than literal understanding, 
like the book is like the Bhagavatam is like the table of contents to the book of 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 Leela, something an outline, something like that. Mm-hmm. Which we couldn't say enough. So, so orthodox orthodox Siddhanta. What is the orthodox Siddhanta? Hmm? To arrive at the orthodox 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 orthodox, orthodox Siddhanta. You have to understand context. You understand the word Siddhanta, how it's used in the Sutra, in Vedanta Sutra? Hmm. There is, how, what is it, how does it go? It goes, there's the Sangshai, the doubt, then the argument supporting the doubt, Purvapaksha, and then there's the, the, the Siddhanta, the conclusion that defeats the, the argument that uh, supports the doubt, and the Siddhanta is Sangati, arrived at through context. So you cannot arrive at Siddhanta, which is the orthodox teaching, hmm, but not a, without understanding context. Hmm. And the fundamentalist uh, doesn't understand the uh, the context and and assumes that 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 the, the text has to be understood literally when the text doesn't say that. It's it's. I hope I'm making my point clear. Most of you are somewhat familiar with this. The word orthodox in a sense that we understand it today is more like a tradition, a traditional understanding as opposed to a fundamental understanding, which is a novel understanding. You know, in other words, the, the, a fundamentalist would say, today we read it exactly like this, whereas an orthodox understanding is more like you know, for thousands of years we've understood it like this. I think that's a difference, really, at least in terms of religion as it is today. Mm-hmm. Orthodox generally means Siddhanta. Hmm. And you're right, how it's been understood for thousands of years, that, that's true about Christianity, too. Christianity, Christian fundamentalism is a new phenomenon. It's a new phenomenon. The Christian tradition was never understood in the way it is today, literally, and uh, that causes the problems that it does, or Islamic faith, perhaps, I don't know much about that, but the Christian faith, and there have been things written about this, that it, that's a new development, hmm? how the, you know, I mean, you know, the, the, what the Christ on the cross represents and all this, and, and the literal understanding when they put out, the, you know, these signs, you know, blood, you can find them around here, you know. The blood has, you know, been shed for you. I mean, you know, you, that's why you're not getting, you know, Christian saints like you were getting, like they're happening all over the place, right? The Catholic saints, they were mystics. They were, they were getting somewhere. Now to become a saint, you know, well, they just made St. Teresa a saint, but, you know, like, okay. You look at St. Teresa, and she's not like Francis or this one or the saints of of old. They have their system of Catholicism, how they, what do they call it, coronate or canonize, canonize, make someone a saint. But in the, in the early times, then they were coming more readily, right? So it's, it's, it's a, now it's, it's, it's different, so... It's 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 not that the saints were made up. See, they're all just imagined and they're just exaggerated. 
no, the essence of the teaching is, has been has been lost. It's become non-experiential. It's just become a religion. You attach these this dogma and you spit it out every now and then and carry on with your life, go through the motions and so forth. And um, so it's, it's a, there's a there's a big difference between the two. Hmm. So we've talked for a long time, and I think we should stop there. Shri Shri Gorada Madhava Ki Jai, Guru Vaishnav Guru Parampara Ki Jai, Gaur Bhakta Binda Ki Jai, Gaur Premanandi.